Motorcycles and Misfits. Who? Coming at you from the Recycle Garage in Where? Santa Cruz, California. Why? Yeah. Sunny. <laughs> it Dude, you did it sunny? stumble at all. Good job. I'm like, I, I'm nicely yep. lubricated. You're nicely lubricated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heck. All right. Yeah. In, in the studio tonight. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I love you. Also, we love you too, Liza. <laughs> in the studio tonight, as you heard, we've got Knock. I am annoying and I am argumentative. <laughs> apparently, no disputes there, no. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but you are also exotic number one. Yeah, you can't get rid of me, bitch. That's how it works. Hey, I'm only half exotic. And right next to him is exotic number two. We've got Henry. Hey, what's up, Henry? Three thousand. <laughs> Running the board tonight in his new hat. Indeed. From Jocelyn Snow is Bagel. And to uh, give a shout out to Zach, I exist. Yeah. <laughs> My boy. On the classy girl couch tonight, we've got Miss Emma. Hello, darlings. And I love everyone. Aww. <laughs> and by the way, are you, if I could comment on Knox Hat, it is a fine piece bagel. of millinery. His name is Bagel. Knox Hat. Oh, my God. Knox <laughs> Jr.? It's been Knox a long Senior. day. It has been a long day. It's easy to tell the difference. Bagel's the ginger. Y- yes, kiss Knox a ginger. Kiss a ginger, 25 cents. That is such a fabulous floppy hat. It is and wonderful. It, it is a Ferodo hat. Yes. Thank you, Jocelyn. It's Made wonderful. of brake lining material. Yep. It'll it'll stop stop on a dime. Also on the classy girl couch tonight, we've got Matt. Hola. Over Hola, on Matt. the train side of the room. Whoop, whoop. The quiet little mouse. <laughs> we've got Maya. Say hello, Maya. She's <laughs> <laughs> Mike shot. It's okay. It's coming. And also over there, we've got John. What up, everybody? And you know, I love to be loved. There you go. There's there a lot. Who doesn't? There's yeah. Lots of love in the room tonight. A lot of love. I'm feeling it, it. It might have something to do with all the uh, cleavage and S's that we saw. There was quite a lot. I oh, dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. Matt, we, you came just in time for the tail end of that, didn't you? With the emphasis on time. Yeah. Are, we, are we talking about that quickly? I mean, yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, you, I mean, everything you missed? Well, here's the thing. There's a thing. I show up a little bit late because sometimes there's too many people and I just can't deal with it. But I showed up a little late, and uh, let's just say I saw like a side boob and a little bit of areola. I saw a full naked butt, and I was like, "What the fuck's going on over here?" Them's grown up words. Yeah, and yeah, uh, you got a little irritated. Well, I, well, did I seem irritated? Yes. I was just like, <laughs> no. I was trying to take it all in. I was like, who are these people standing on other uh, people's bikes? It's like, I just come that? here to relax and hang out, and I got to look at side boob? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, don't get me wrong. That shit was really nice, but I was just wasn't expecting I wasn't prepared for it. I was in, like, oh, okay. In defense of not, you know, being irritated. You have to be prepared for side boob? Yeah. It, well, well it's, you know, I mean. He, he's at naturally the garage, an irritated yes. person. You this is your be, natural state of affairs. Here at the garage, you have to be prepared. For side bib. There's, yeah, there's got to so. be context. You know? No, um, uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, Kat is, uh, she does a little side modeling. Mm-hmm. And she brought a bunch of these other models who are doing lingerie shoots on uh, all of our motorcycles around the garage. 
And it was kind of interesting. You had the some of us who were just trying to work on bikes and having to step over like models and <laughs> photographers and and bras and stuff on the ground, and then uh, all these people with their fake eyelashes and and makeup applying around. It was really interesting mix. It of, was of, uh, two different worlds colliding. But you know, as beautiful as these girls were, Cat was the loveliest of all. Yeah, and I still had to get in my shenanigans when they were lined yes. up. I had, had uh, like three girls all straddling a bike, uh, taking photos, and I jumped into the back of it with, my, with the two giant dildos, yeah. just waving them in the air. <laughs> Afterwards, I just showed the, photo- the photographer. Didn't No one noticed me. Wow. No, I was enough in the background. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just full disclosure. You, you may want to check those. You were giving it the beans, darling. yeah. <laughs> But um, we had a lot of stuff uh, going on. Um, I wanted to do an update on something that's been happening. Uh, It's getting pretty big. It's getting huge. Um, So speaking of the dildos, no, that is not where I'm going. Um, They are pretty huge, though. No, no, no. Uh, So I think I mentioned two weeks ago now something new that was happening that was pretty cool. It was an idea. It was an it was an idea that had been formed called uh, Women Writers World Relay. The idea that a group of women um, could form a around the world relay ride passing a baton from one to the other. And going all the way around the world. Right. And uh, as of this recording, we've got over 5,000 people signed up from like 43 countries, I want to say. Wow. Very cool. Um, I predict we may get 20 to 30, 50, 20 to 30,000 women signed up. Yeah, I think eventually. Mm -hmm. Cool. And it's turning into something that is way bigger than all of us um but fortunately emma and i have managed to <laughs> become admins we, some of the we, admins we have finagled our way into being admins oh. of this giant group and there's 11 admins prepare for fi- some pain and i'll tell you it's, it's <laughs> been a lot of work i've had a lot of nights staying up late monitoring the computer waiting for the the next shift to wake up over in, in <laughs> right. europe um and it's funny because you know if you keep odd hours like i do and like liza does Everything will be quiet, and then you'll see another time zone click in, and you'll get like 10 requests from girls from India hmm. or something. Yeah, India coming through. And they yes. all come in in one go. Last night, um, when I was uh, monitoring it, South Africa yeah. mm-hmm. was coming through. Time but, uh, South Africa. Did you notice Australia is killing Kicking it? everyone's butts. Absolutely. Australia's got three times the amount of Americans signed up. Right. Maybe four times. I, I want to say really? right now. Yes. And you know, American girls in the house, let's change this. Because right now Australia's number one. Uh-huh. Number two is England. Uh-huh. We're number three. Uh-huh. When the hell was the USA number three? <laughs> <laughs> you know, step up. We need to get some American girls involved with this. So sign up. WRWR. Easiest way to find it is on Facebook. Women Writers World Relay. Yep. Uh, be a part of it. Spread the word. And I just wanted to apologize to any men who would like to join the group. We're not accepting men at this time. Doesn't mean we're not going to accept help and be asking for help. And I've been talking uh, to some of the uh, other admins of a way to come up with a secondary group of people who want to support us. Because there's a lot of uh, shop owners and stuff who might right. be able to offer a meeting point, a rally point or something. We want to use everyone. We don't want to exclude anyone. But for now, just for the point of having a head count, 
we're just accepting women in the group. But this is going to be this is going to be a big thing. I don't think anything like this has ever happened. Right. And I I really think it's a timely thing. I think um women who ride bikes we're all looking for something. We're, we're looking for something more than we've got right now. And this has come at a perfect time. We're looking for that bond. Because motorbikes, that's why. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, it's already brought awareness to me. The, the, the riders, there's a lot of women in India, which is really cool. Um, it is, isn't it? But we're going to actually make a, an announcement right now. This is an exclusive. This is an exclusive. God, why You're pregnant. We, no, I'm Sorry. pregnant with Knox Love Child. Yeah, <laughs> starting a franchise. It's going to be a earlier. beautiful baby. I told you to double bag that thing, um, Knox. <laughs> um, why do I feel it's, like it's mostly bag at this point? <laughs> so why do I? F- would you like me to make the announcement? Oh fuck! <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what that means anymore. Oh, man. What does that even mean, man? Oh, oh my! Oh, okay. God. Yeah, Emma, why don't you? Because this is something, we're all bringing something to the game that well, we can help people out in this group, and Emma has a certain superpower. The, the whole thing, the whole concept to me behind um, Women Ride a World Relay, it's, it, it's far bigger than the sum of it, its parts, and the way that we're going to succeed and the way we're going to show the way forward, to be honest with you, for the rest of the world, is that we're all going to pitch in something that we're good at. Now, for those of you that are Patreon subscribers to our podcast, you'll know you have access to something called Ask Miss Emma. And if Mm -hmm. you have asked Miss Emma about something about your bike, hopefully you'll get a fairly witty and on point and theoretically mechanically accurate (laughs) breakdown of what's going on. And you've helped many people solve problems with their bikes. So, oh my God, lambs to the slaughter. We're going to give this a shot. I'm going to open it up to the Women Rider World Relay. So, and, and this is separate from what we do th- for our Patreon people. Exactly. This is something completely separate, but we're going to do um, an Ask Miss Emma, um, an agony column. <coughs> you can ride in with problems of your bike, and I will do best, do my best to solve them. The only thing is, there's 5,000 of you. Yeah. And theoretically... And counting. And counting. I could be getting 100 emails a night. Now, as Liza will attest, you know, Ask Miss Emma, part of the reason it's been so successful is I'll sit down, I'll take my time, I'll go through each email individually, I'll assess the problem, and really do some research before I give an answer. I mean, some of them I just know off the top of my head. Some Sometimes I have to blow the dust off the old workshop manuals and go back into the depths of things with old bikes. If I'm getting 100 emails a night, um, it, it might be a sunk ship before it starts, but I'm going to give it a good old college try and see what we can do. I think I think so. And the thing that, that is going to be different about this, on the Ask Miss Emma, it's a private email, so yep. no one else is able to benefit from this. This is going to be on a public this is a forum. Pub- and this is where I think will really help because other people may be able to benefit from these questions and answers. Exactly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to my ba- Ask Miss Emma, I had a couple of guys who were writing... Um, uh, DRZ 400s that's a very common bike and the answers I gave on Ask Miss Emma I'm sure would be beneficial to other DRZ 400 owners so 
You know, we'll give it a whirl. I think my suspicion is the size of the group is really going to... It's going to snow me down before it starts, but, you know, I'm willing to give it a try. It's something that I feel is my calling. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a great thing that we're going to be offering. We're going to give it a try. It may be too much for you. Um, So we'll see, in which case we can stop doing it. But I think it's great that this is a way that you can give back to the female writing community Mm -hmm. and and support them in in the way that you can with your special powers. Nothing but love, darling. Special Ah. powers. (laughs) So um, let's do a little just update because oh this, um, this is so we got a lot fun. to talk about today man we do um as it happens we are all hanging out at the garage there were some as i said some models going on some <laughs> oil changes going on there's different stuff going so, on the and, model that tried to sit on my bike looked like she was about to keel over i was surprised that somebody even wanted to take a photo of my xr because it's ugly beast <laughs> but that's part of no some girls <laughs> like the the rough you know the, the rough and rugged shit yes yeah, exactly. not i keep telling you you're getting it wrong yeah when somebody walks by you and yells uh that's ugly they're talking about you not yeah the bike. you gotta keep the helmet on right yes that's right all right so um as it happens we got the call in this case bex got the call uh one of our own had just been in an accident oh god yeah, yeah. uh harrison um dear harrison who he's sat in on the podcast a couple times he yeah. comes and hangs out here does rides he's newer writer i think he's about a year in now right yeah yeah he's about a year on his tiger 800 no it's the big, no, it's a big one. Oh, the big one yeah yeah, yeah it's 1050 but big we got the call he was up the street yeah, literally, and, like what, two blocks away? Yeah. yeah. And as it happens, he's just coming straight down the street, and somebody didn't see him and made a left so, turn. So he had to lay the bike down. Um, so in context, he was actually coming back from Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. He just done a trip. Like a thousand mile ride, and he just decided <laughs> to come by and hang out in his hometown and say hi to us. At oh, he's that close to home. He was that close so to home. Always close to home. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So um, he sustained a couple injuries, but um, we, we actually saw the ambulance go by in the garage. We're like, well, they're going again, Harrison. Not knowing how bad it was, but turns out, I guess he declined the ambulance ride and the bike was rideable, just scratched up and he's a little bit scuffed, but wearing the right gear, he's wearing good boots. Yep. Um, and the bike slid on top of his ankle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His ankle's a little stiff. Mm-hmm. Uh, good helmet, good gloves, good everything. I, I honestly believe that his boots like saved his ankle a little I think bit. so, too. Like yeah. His shifter was broken, and I think it landed on him, and his boots were new. Yeah. And so I actually, see, I actually saw the scuff marks of, I guess, where his peg or his uh, brake lever would have you know, hmm. maybe punctured it if he was wearing hmm. like a, uh, a yeah. shoes or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah with yeah. my, so accent. you mean I shouldn't wear flip flops when I ride? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Only on your scooter, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, with you're my new flip flops. So, my, um, so he rode the bike here and he was complaining a little bit of like his neck was stiff, but he thinks he's okay. Um, and I thought, you know, how fortunate of a timing it was. Yeah. Cause sitting with us was Matt from, Law Tigers. Hello. Hey, Matt. Uh-huh. Hey, Matt. They're so, great. <laughs> and I said, I think, I think we can get you some good advice right here and now. So, Matt, let's start with, uh, tell us what Law Tigers is. Uh, sure. Law Tigers is uh, California's Motorcycle Lawyers. We are in 25 markets around the nation, uh, and we just recently opened up California, uh, Northern California in June. 
so we want to be a great resource to the writing community as a whole. And just to establish, you are not a lawyer. What is your job description? I am not a lawyer. I'm a marketing manager for the firm. Right. So knowing that you weren't giving legal advice, but also knowing you probably have, have seen what's the drill. So let's just cover what advice did you give Harrison? What advice would you give anyone who's recently been in an accident in a situation like his where he's like, I think I can tough it out. I'll just ice it or I think I'll be good. What's your best advice? Go to the doctor, go to the hospital, get checked out. Right. Make, make sure you do that, especially within the first 24 hours. There might be circumstances where you may not be able to get to the hospital by then, but uh, you have a lot of adrenaline, adrenaline pumping in your veins after an accident, and you don't feel like anything happened. When I got in my accident, I felt great. I didn't want to go to the hospital, and I didn't go, and I wish I had had. So let's talk about yours, because this is a similar situ situation, yes? Very similar. So tell us about your accident, what happened with that. And this is before you were with Law Tigers, so you kind of learned the hard way. I learned the hard way, and I did everything the wrong way, which uh, kind of led me to Law Tigers down, the, uh, down a longer path. I was uh, coming home from work in San Francisco, and uh, anybody that's familiar with San Francisco, when you get off 101 onto Octavia, mm -hmm. uh, it's a two-lane road that'll eventually get you down to Fell and uh, Huffy up the hill but uh i was in the right hand lane and uh an uber in the left hand lane decided to make a right turn uh oh. through me Jeez. and ended up sideswiping. but the funny thing about the no. the accident was um i hit the car and my uh left engine head hit the car but the bike never went down i did i ended up lying in the middle of the car and my bike just gently resting the bike up with my hand. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So it never Save touched. the bike. Save the bike. The bike never touched. <laughs> nice. And I was moderately injured, scrapes and bruises and uh, one burn. But um, I thought I was fine. The bike was rideable, so I went home. Um, I contacted my insurance company and, uh, you know, did that whole rigmarole. And uh, long story short, they offered a, a really pitiful settlement. And I didn't know what to take, who to talk to. I hadn't been to a lawyer, hadn't talked to a lawyer, and eventually I just let it go. I didn't know I didn't know what to do about it. And I think a lot of people in that same situation uh, don't know what to do uh, in those kind of situations. And you need to get on the phone with somebody that can have your back and then do something for you. Uh, your insurance companies have the insurance company's backs. Uh, a lawyer is going to have your back. And a specialized lawyer is definitely going to have your back in this kind of case where uh, you need to talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. Well, you know, you said something very, very pertinent to me, Mark, and it, it really drove it home, and it's something I knew anyway. And you, we met at the Moto Bay Classic a few weeks ago anyway, Correct. so it's, it's nice to see you. And, it's of nice course, you, remi you. you reminded me of who you work for. And I said, yeah, of course, everyone needs a good attorney. And you said, but a specialized one too. And you use the whole doctor analogy. If you've got um, a broken leg, if you get a broken leg, you're not going to go to the optometrist or the oh optometrist. Wait, I it up. <laughs> the optometrist. But exactly. how many times have you said this? But, I usually say eye doctor. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's absolutely correct. It is vital that you get somebody who knows the way the industry works and knows the problems that are specific to motorcycles. Um, and I can't reiterate enough. I mean, I, I know Harrison well enough. I'm going to make sure he cuts himself off to the doctor because adrenaline is a wonderful thing. You know, everybody here knows I got in a little bump before Christmas and adrenaline basically got me down the road. But it's, when the adrenaline wears off, the pain starts and it can last you 
a long, long time, weeks, months. So I'm somebody who also, I don't want to go to the hospital. Nobody does. So what are the repercussions of that? What is the risk you're taking by not going to the hospital? I mean, besides the obvious, that you may actually have an injury you're not aware. Um, is it possible that you may not get the coverage that you 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 are due you're not going to get the coverage you're you're not going to get the proper attention uh one thing that happens in almost every single motorcycle accident is that there's a neck injury of some sort um and again when that adrenaline's pumping you're not thinking that and you're thinking no my my neck feels like it always feels Hmm. and so if you wait on that and then you end up going to the doctor a couple days later Maybe another lawyer, maybe the other person's insurance company or the other person's lawyer could say that you got injured another way. Right. The more time you wait, the more likely you can blame it on something else. Right. You know, and if you have a dog fight, you're probably going to put two dogs in the fight and not a dog and a chicken. And so you want somebody that knows what they're doing. I thought you were going to say you don't take your dog to the eye doctor. <laughs> and you don't. Well, <laughs> definitely not the optician. <laughs> <laughs> no, and the best advice I give everyone, and I was told this uh, when I was young and I got a lawyer, and they said, um, and I, 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 I'd been in, this was a car accident, but I had said, no, I don't need to go. I'm fine. I feel fine. But the lawyer said, no, you're going to go to the chiropractor. Mm. You don't know uh, <clears throat> what damage may have been done or that may show up in 20 or 30 years. He says, I'm not, we're not trying to play the system or to take advantage of the system. Just go to a chiropractor. And I have since learned anytime I've been in any accident, I've just requested right. i would please like to go to a chiropractor for six months and something i'm very um aware of i don't want to abuse the system or encourage anyone to abuse the system because we're all paying for that oh for sure but, but you also your insurance company won't advise you on the right thing to do like Go seek medical care. Go seek a chiropractor. Yeah. Stuff like that. It's a reasonable thing to you know do. So you actually told what? Was, so do you remember exactly what you told Harrison to do? I told Harrison to call a lawyer before he calls the insurance company. Right. So let's talk about that. And again, I'm not a lawyer, so that is right. But that this is, is best not, advice. That is my advice coming from uh, from me and in, in, in my experience in talking with people, my own personal experience. The insurance companies look out for the insurance companies, and they can only do what is within the confines of your policy. Mm-hmm. And so, if you are lacking, which most writers are out there, uh, you know, full coverage. The term full coverage to an insurance company is just the starting point where mm-hmm. they can add on more and more and more. Uh, but to a rider, they don't know the difference between full or extra full. Hmm. And so um, underinsured motorists, uninsured motorists. 100,000 minimum. I would go as high as you can for underinsured and under and overinsured. Get extra money for, uh, for medical bills. Uh, yeah. you, you just never know how it's going to stack up. Here's my issue with that. I'm paying insurance on seven motorcycles. That's, that adds up really fast. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I don't I don't think it's fair that I should be paying full rate on each vehicle because I'm a one person. I mean, I but they offer I mean, they offer multiple bike discounts. I get it. I just wish that there was a better way to get get if you're one person, should you be paying you know that much for each bike? The whole system's crazy to me. Yeah, okay. I live in San Francisco. Fair and enough. Just, yeah. just insuring my own bike up there is—it's madness. Hey, Henry. Yes. Since you've been in three accidents, has that raised your insurance? 
Actually, right now, no, it has not, but we'll see when the renewals come around. The thing is, though, is that none of the accents are, have been my fault, so that may be what's saving me right now. Does that matter? It should not matter. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> either. Aware. I don't know either. I mean... I think it does. Yeah, I, th I think... I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, I th I, I'm pretty sure, Henry, you might have a nasty shock when renewals come around. Because whether it's well, your fault or not, you get, in, you get kind of shoved into this pool of yeah. high risk. Especially because of your mm. age. Mm -hmm. I think... Hey, uh, turning 25 next hey. uh, month. <laughs> Most people don't really want to know everything about their coverage because they're afraid of it. They don't mm. know. And this is personally speaking. Yeah. You know, you're excited about the motorcycle. You love to ride. You want to buy the thing and get out there. You don't want to sit down and figure out what the best coverage is in, in the event that you no. get in an accident. Liability, 100000 And uninsured, underinsured is 100000 is the saving grace for right. if you're a motorcyclist. Honestly, like, fuck collision coverage. Fuck um, uh, yeah, comprehensive. I, I, like. If your bike gets destroyed, you know, that's five, ten thousand $10,000 or something like right. that. That's mm -hmm. nothing on medical bills. Yeah, Absolutely. and I'll admit, I don't cover my bikes on it either. The, uh, they're, d you know, disposable to me, but um, medical isn't. And right. I, d I don't take that lightly. So I'm hoping that Harrison does take advice and go, and to anyone else, any accident you're in. So would you say, even if I'm... Um, this is a good question. If you are in a solo accident, do you contact a lawyer to no, contact no, no, your insurance no, no. company? That's a great question. Uh, the problem with you being in a solo accident, unless it was a massive sinkhole in the middle of a municipality street, mm -hmm. there's nobody to go after, quote unquote. There's yeah. nobody else at fault besides yourself. So like people on dirt bikes, they don't generally call a lawyer. They just get the bike fixed. Yep. So it's it's right. it's more of a tough gray area there. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some other uh, controversial things that come up when we're talking about law. One of them being lane splitting. So, um, Matt, you moved here a couple of years ago from Washington State, right? I did. Seattle. So no lane splitting up there. None. Is it uh, punishable? Is there a font penalty? By death. By yeah. death. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the hands other drivers. That's just what happens when you try to lane split in, in yeah. Seattle. You will die. They'll run you over. They will run you the over. The vigilantes in their trucks trying to cut you off. You know, it's the constant weather, the constant Bombs gray. Yeah, there's not a lot of, there's a lot more people in cages paying attention out here than there so are out there. So how was yeah. it when you came here and, and started lane splitting? Was it scary at first? Uh, it was not scary at all. It was completely liberating because <laughs> I was just stupidly going as fast as I could between two cars. Hey, right. hey I'm going to get over the Bay Bridge before everybody else. Welcome to California. <laughs> right. right. So how does this come up when somebody's lane splitting? And this uh, legally seems like a real great area here. Who's at fault? It is. Well, the gray area is not being helped by... Uh, by the powers that be, uh, back in 2016, they legalized lane splitting, but they put very few uh, rules and regulations behind it. Right. In fact, the only thing I could find, even with a recent search this week, is that uh, they still recommend you're under 50 miles an hour when you're mm -hmm. doing it, mm -hmm. and that you're not exceeding 15 miles an hour over the flow of traffic. Right, and it, mm -hmm. that's always been there. But as you say, those really are recommendations more than anything else. Well, that was what they found. And so Berkeley... Uh, 
Berkeley and CHP did a big study back in 2015, and that was where they found uh, lane splitting to be safer than non-lane splitting. Mm -hmm. That one little window, right. under right, 50, right. and then not more than 15. So, um, but uh, they determined that lane splitting in itself is is a pretty safe way to go about it, uh, um, and that it it does help out traffic as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, mm -hmm. it's really not gaining any ground. I don't think that lane splitting is becoming any safer by any means yeah so would a motorcycle law firm be a proponent of lane splitting yes are they doing anything to help pass it in other states uh that's a good question you know i haven't yeah. brought that up with our own firm uh, ama could use some help just it, saying it, oh yeah it's been on the legislation and i think six other states and it was actually just uh it was uh, passed in Arizona. A bill was passed in Arizona, but the governor vetoed it. Uh, and the six other states, oh, yeah. uh, they haven't even gone that far. Um, but a lot of it has to do with people that don't ride motorcycles, could care less about motorcycles. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, well, and as we stated a few podcasts ago, a lot of motorcyclists are against it because they're kind of scared of it. Right. They right. think that they'll, be, they'll have to do it if it's legal. Well, I think so, a lot of motorcyclists work against each other. And, and when you think about big twins or wide bikes or even some of these big ADV bikes, it's sketchy going through. Uh, why not? Like I have my bags on my bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't do that. It's well, I just hold my elbows out. So I figure if my, my elbows can make it through, the bags will. Oh, I see. That's the cat, furthest. Cat switch. That's a good baby. way to go about it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so. Do you, is there, why do you think it is, though, that the, that lane splitting is, is not getting a lot of traction? I think for a couple of reasons. Uh, over 60% of people that are in cars don't even know that it's a legal action. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of drivers out there in cars are either oblivious to what you're doing or you have a few that know what you're doing and don't want you doing what you're doing. Uh, like 30% feel that uh, it's illegal or it should be illegal. <laughs> And then motorcycle motorcyclists don't exactly team up uh, to make it safer out on the roads. Um, I, I see a lot, personally speaking, people trying to go as fast as they can. It's a lot of peer pressure to go faster as you're lane splitting, which definitely doesn't make the cars any happier. Mm -hmm. um, nope. But you know, have you ever has anybody ever gotten where there's a three four riders in a group lane splitting? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Feels a little bit safer, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. It does. Well, they always make me go first. Do you have the yeah. loudest bike? No, I have the modulating headlight. Ah, yep. nice. Yeah, Those help. It, it helps a lot. All right, so here's a, a point in the show where I'm going to give you my opinion and a little advice. Oh, boy, don't as, you have as an I do. Here we go. As I do. There we go. So what? let's start with what state is Law Tigers for, based out of? Uh, it was originated in, in uh, Arizona. Right. What state is extremely hot and riders with gear... Uh, can possibly suffer heat stroke if they're not able to lane split. Uh, would that be Arizona? That is Arizona. <laughs> and I, what I'm, my advice is going to be, you know, if I think if Law Tigers maybe joined with the AMA and helped fight or to get this pushed, that is, I think, great PR. Because, you know, um, we'll bring it up. Like we've talked about, there are, are other companies. I mean, just here, we got Russ Brown, who's been in here, and we've got Riders Law. And everyone comes up with their little thing to win people over. Like people say, Riders Law has better swag, you know. And Russ Brown has come up with their emergency roadside service program. But I would say, if Law Tigers was helping the AMA in legal battles, that wouldn't 
that's something that I would want to back them and, and choose long tigers if I needed to. So that is my advice. I like it. Now, Arizona would be a great place to, to legalize, uh, yeah. to see a different perspective. Uh, Arizona is also uh, one of the few states where helmets are optional. <laughs> So Ooh, are that you could be another pro or con helmet law. I'm pro and I have reasons for it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, part of it's a maturity thing. I think every new rider would, loves the feeling of riding with a helmet off and the, you know, the wind in your hair. But I, I remember spending a summer day in Maine with my helmet off. Um, and after four or five hours, I was delirious. Yeah. The sun's been beating down on my ginger head for four hours. <laughs> and, uh, so I don't know. Over time, over time, you think more and more about the overall consequences, and it's just not worth the risk. I can understand some people not wanting to wear a helmet because it looks weird when you're wearing flip-flop shorts, a tank top, and then a helmet. <laughs> so I get it. I get it. On your jigsaw, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hayabusa. Well, um, let's talk about something else because this is a. It's not a, a motorcycle law. Is not all about um, accidents. There's a, some other things uh, like, do you guys work at all with theft? We do actually. Uh, theft is a big deal. I, I live in San Francisco, where mm. where motorcycle oh. theft is is crazy. Oh, and well, and, and I hate to sidetrack it, but and in San Francisco, people are just knocking bikes over. I guess there's nothing you can do about that, huh? I have not seen that. I've heard of it, but I haven't <sighs> seen it. Yeah. One of the, yeah, that actually happened to one of the guys I got towed. I had to get my bike towed this week, and one of the guys who was uh, with me also getting his bike towed. He said somebody just was walking around and just knocked his bike down while he was in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. A lot of angry wow. people in urban areas. Oh, wait. Oh, and uh, I just keep sidetracking the question. I'll come back to it. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys realize, but you know what just got added to our city are those little um, electric scooters. Oh, God. <laughs> We've had the, the bicycles, but the scooters have come around. And when we were in, when I was in Indianapolis on my cross-country trip, they were telling me how people just are leaving the scooters everywhere, like on the sidewalks like, and stuff. In the middle of the sidewalk. About, and the, that, wait, the little <coughs> Razor scooters? Yeah, they're like, like yeah. razor scooters, but they're yeah. electric. And that people were shit. protesting and like taking them, throwing them in the river and stuff. <laughs> oh, well, that's only the start. The other night, Jim and I were walking to dinner and somebody had parked one in front of a restaurant just in the middle of the sidewalk. What company is it that's in uh, San I don't remember, but uh, unlike bird. the bikes, they're not locked bird? or anything. You oh, just God, leave them. Yeah. yeah, bird. They left in the middle of the sidewalk. When we were coming back from dinner, it was in the street on oh. its side. Dude, I hate Somebody had just kicked so it over. The homeless people in San Francisco like to defecate on the scooters. Oh, jeez. Uh, so oh, let's, man. all right, let's go back. What do you do about <clears throat> theft? Well, first of all, no, no, know the value of your bike and if it's valuable enough get a garage spot uh you know in san francisco oh okay yeah you have to pay for everything and so my yeah. garage spot cost me 75 a month which is a lot less than the 300 if it was a car but uh take care of your bike if it's uh you know a used bike you bought it for three four grand put a disc lock on it put a cable lock on it just do something to so it appears like it's a little harder to break yeah. um, you know steal or, or or get off the ground but a disc lock i mean that's just going to lock your wheels so that's a no-brainer right there. You know, and it, here's an interesting statistic. A huge proportion of bike thefts are opportunist thefts. Absolutely. So I think it's somewhere around 70% are opportunist theft. So if your bike is even marginally harder to steal than the one next to it, they're going to take the one next to it because yours has got the disc lock on as yours has got the thing. So very sage advice, Mark. Thank you. So when somebody's bike has been stolen, what can a lawyer do for them? 
Well, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hopefully we can find out who stole the bike. And um, if we can find out that information and that person gets prosecuted, then if you, the person that uh, lost the bike or had this bike stolen, you're going to get $10,000 check from Law Tigers. <gasps> what? What? $10,000 will buy you uh, a really good used bike. Or That's a lot of gin, oh, darling. Hey, Knock, mm-hmm. what's that... Um, that cul-de-sac up in the in Felton that people dump all the bikes. Oh, buzzards looking. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Is that so? I don't know. We we're we're uh, I think. Um, Which one? I know. <laughs> yeah. We know a couple spots. Maybe those might, bikes might be worth ten grand. There might be. Oh wow! <laughs> hmm. I guess I should go don't get vans. Commit insurance fraud is what we're saying. So no, I so I'm I should not... get the van and call call you guys. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh wait a minute! I just realized. That could go real sideways. How do you know I didn't steal it? I, I have you, no answer. You better have an alibi, Eliza. <laughs> You're not gonna get one out of me. I think this is. I think this is going to be one of those strangers on a train crime. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go. Where okay. We, where are we going with this? What theft? Theft. <laughs> Call people. A lot of times, people. Um, they just feel like a victim and like, oh, shit, there's nothing they can do. It's gone. Right. Now, I know a story of somebody who had their bike stolen, and then they got a call from a tow yard out in, like, Fresno. Said, oh, yeah. Uh, we found your bike. And she's like, great. And she got there, and they said, yeah, it's it's been here, you know, a while, so it's going to be, like, $650 for towing and storage. And she paid them, and then she went in there, and it was a frame. Oh, vultured, huh? And she's like, you know, nothing about the system was there to help her. The cops, she had video footage of the guys stealing the bike. The cops could not be bothered. They had bigger crimes to deal with. And she felt like the tow lot just took advantage, got their money. I guess I mean is by calling a lawyer. What what exactly can a lawyer? Well, I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's all a racket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it is. And so again, you know, if you need a specialist, you need somebody that's in the racket that understands the racket. I mean, you're not going to take. You're not going to go to law school to figure out your one case. Yeah. You know, so save yourself the hassle. Save yourself the aggravation. Find somebody that can do it for you that knows what they're doing. Is it true that lawyers won't take a case unless they can make good money on it? Uh, that's not true for all firms, but it is for ours. We uh, we only work on a contingency basis. Okay. Right. I mean, it's worth calling and checking. It sounds like... It's worth calling and checking. And, and, and just like, you know, it's it's with anything else. You can call. You can ask questions. You're not signing, a, signing your life away. Well, contingency base means that you don't have to pay up front Absolutely. for any fees. Absolutely. And, and generally, Got we're not going to take a case that's not going to make money for you. We don't want you to pay our fee and not take anything else home. Right. So that's the kind of lawyers you want to call first because you're not going to be out of pocket right. if they can't produce. And another thing that separates us a little bit from some of our other competitors who, you know, we're all looking out for riders out there, but we have uh, a brick and mortar location in 25 markets. Uh, when you work with Law Tigers, you're going to work with the same Law Tigers lawyers the whole way through from start to finish. Other firms have one firm that handles a lot of states. They might farm out cases to other people. You may not know who you're working with. Mm. So let's visit another scenario. So just today, I was out walking into the garage and I was surprised that in front of the doorway was a whole bunch of oil and tools and boxes that because Emma was helping somebody work on their bike and everything was just left right in the walkway. I didn't leave from there. And <laughs> I, I, I wondered 
What would happen if, say... Slip and fall. Emma was at her work at a shop and left a bunch of stuff out in the walkway and somebody comes along and trips on it and breaks their wrist. Should they call you for that? They can absolutely call us and we would uh, refer them to another lawyer. Ah, uh, why wouldn't you take the case? Because we try to support the industry as a whole and we don't go after shops, manufacturers, or OEMs. Did you hear that, Emma? Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I knew Matt, there was something I like. Kiss a ginger, she can, she can call 25 cents. Mark, she likes. <laughs> Matt. Matt, my bad. Kiss a ginger, 25 okay. cents. <laughs> so Thanks, Matt. But no, I mean, it's true. It's, I like the idea of the industry being supported as a whole. <clears throat> I really do. I mean, it's, it, it, it's so, a very small industry. So, and that's a whole other thing. Shop liability Absolutely. is a big thing. Absolutely. So if... Uh, if uh, so, but you would represent a shop who is being sued by somebody, possibly. And again, I'm you know every case is different, but uh, we're going to take a case uh, that benefits the community, benefits somehow the shops, the owners, the riders themselves. So how is it that um, that Law Tigers came to specialize in motorcycles? Who's behind it, and why did they choose motorcycles? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, it came from lawyers that ride motorcycles. That's and, what I wanted to hear. And, and uh, you know, that's there's a lot of lawyers out there. I don't know how many of them ride motorcycles, but I don't think there's that many of them. Uh, I've seen a no, couple. They know of, better. I've seen a couple <laughs> of uh, a couple ads here and there in magazines where they have a nice, uh, you know, crispy picture of uh, uh, maybe a father and son lawyer team that mm. have shiny mm-hmm. motorcycles sitting next to them. They don't look ridden very well. So uh, you know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to talk shit about anybody else. But we ride our motorcycles. Our lawyers ride the motorcycles. We're in the industry. The only reason I'm in this job is to be in fully in the industry. Right. And uh, we care about riders. And we want to keep people on the road riding. So here's something I find interesting. So Emma, you may recall as I do, um, yeah. twenty years ago, yeah. trying to get insurance, trying to get yeah. legal help or anything. Yeah. Nobody specialize in motorcycles well i take it back like when i was getting insurance for my motorcycle i had to go to some lady's house and she had worked out of her basement and printed up these little (laughs) cards that she'd laminate i remember those days right you remember uh, that did she go to upstate lawyer school no but (laughs) it was like this very small specialty places cottagey industry right everyone had like McGraw insurance. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's all about McGraw. And McGraw is still going, mm-hmm. but that was pretty much the only game in town. And now how it, weird is it now to see Geico and Progressive marketing insurance and not just that, but now I, I ride up the, the highway and I see Law Tigers billboards. Everywhere. Actively Everywhere. pursuing us. Us. As clients. So how big is this market? Well, we just opened the market in June, um, and it's it's tough to say. We're still seeing how large it is. Uh, but one way to gauge it is the number of motorcycle shops within a certain area. Uh, I handle the Bay Area all the way up to the Oregon uh, border and then down uh, through Santa Clara County. That's a lot of territory, man. Well, and I thought what I was getting it? into about 100, maybe 120 shops, but uh-huh. uh, last count, I'm at 250. Wow. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of those are just online businesses sure. or maybe some that have they're on their way out or transferring somewhere else. But there's a massive community in the Bay Area, and it goes from everything from Harleys to racers to adventure bikes to mom and pops to really anything you can, you can conceptualize. Oh, another little side topic. Um, our only dealership left in Santa Cruz is Morrison's, the KTM shop. Yeah, he's and moving, isn't he? He's moving. 
to Scotts Valley. Gilroy, I think. No. They've so, not folded hold on, though, right? Hold on. They just moved? Originally, there was a deal where he was selling it to somebody who wanted to move it to Scotts Valley. Oh, okay. Turn it into an e-bike business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, the deal fell through. His main mechanic, Tom, has has retired he hasn't been able to get anyone to really fill it uh yuri has been over there assembling motorcycles for him wow and he says uh they might be moving not sure so hold on a second that's unfortunate is that okay to share that they might be moving that's all i know no that yuri's working for him on that he's assembling bikes okay yeah that's fine yeah he's assembling bikes. stop being so paranoid now i don't know man I don't know. So Yuri is somebody who's knowledgeable how to assemble a KTM. Oh, so for do you, sure. Do you know yeah. what that means? What does that mean? Do you know who your closest full-line motorcycle uh, dealer is? San Jose. BMW San Jose. Monterey Peninsula Power Sport. It is closer, isn't it? By like yeah. five, six miles or something. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Wow. Ha! Mm-hmm. Not much left. Come and see Emma. All right. Let's, um, <laughs> let's talk about another controversial thing. I want to see what your take on, again... Matt, you are not a lawyer, but you are a writer. Yes. um, Who works with lawyers. So it's practically. Can we, (laughs) before we go any further, before another sentence comes out, another word comes out of Matt's mouth, what did you ride up on today, Matt? BMW GS 1200. Oh, it's a lovely one, too. (laughs) It's a nice looking bike. Yeah, it is a nice. So this guy's legit. I promised I I wouldn't harp on him either. About the lack of trips he's taken. <laughs> taken three okay. this year. He's busy. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's just busting your balls. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Bust everyone's How balls. many times have you taken it to Starbucks? <laughs> I don't go to Starbucks. There you go. Tra-la-la. Wait, where do you go? Pete's? Dunkin' Donuts? I <laughs> know. So I did Pete's for a while. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> but, now, but now I'm off the Pete's, too, because it's just, it's just as corporate as Starbucks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fine, baby. It's fine. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do a plug. For the most corporate of all, if you like just black coffee, you've got a long way to go to beat McDonald's. <laughs> Mickey D's correct. has great, if you just like black coffee, Paul just black. a cup of joe, buck nine gets you a McDonald's coffee of any size. <laughs> it's great. There you go. So, you know, they, cha-ching, there's our corporate advertising. How much uh, McNugget squeezing do they put in there? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I wanted to talk about something. Let's just cover this. We 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 talked about it a couple of weeks ago when Serge Gish called in, like two weeks ago. Oh yeah, City Bike. And we talked about the lawsuit with uh, Daniel Kim, I believe. Mm-hmm. And just to recap, he was doing a track day at Laguna Seca, went wide in a turn, went off the the track into the runoff where there were some sandbags left out for water diversion thing, and he flipped over and messed his leg up and sued everybody. And now that track day school is closing. And I think at first, I think most of us had the same reaction. What a douchebag and a bunch of douchebag lawyers. But Serge kind of painted a different picture for us. If you recall, he said, no, it actually is the responsibility of the the track or the, the track day school to walk the track and those sandbags shouldn't be there because that is actually a runoff area in a turn so there shouldn't be something to collide with um i wanted to get uh, matt your opinion on this take is this a douchebag and douchebag lawyers or what do you think uh, well, you know, originally I, I was right on board with douchebag and douchebag lawyers. Uh, you know, there's something comes with 
this industry. It's inherently fucking dangerous. Well, and, yeah. and, and also, I didn't mention the reason I was saying douchebag lawyers is they sued, I believe, the school, the track, Laguna Seca, and Mazda, who sponsors the track. Mm. And you think, what the? What? So yeah, but it's where the money is. Well, let's see. What, it, what can you explain this? So as I said, I was on I was on that side too. But then after listening to Serge, uh, he brought up some great points, and uh, especially with today's society, I'm 99% with Serge, and I'm about one percent with fuck it. You should have been aware because you're not on the open street. You're not out in the back country. Uh, you're on something that uh, is manicured for a specific type of event type of riding and it's, it's supposed to be you're supposed to know where your safe areas are you're supposed to know what dangers are are there but why sue okay i can see suing the maybe the track and the track the, the school why sue mazda what did they have to do with this his injuries were pretty extensive weren't they yeah yes. i think he busted up both legs and he was in traction for a while which he, he may not know the full extent of. And I'm right. sure his lawyer said, we're going to sue everybody because we don't know what kind of money we're going to be able to get out of this. And you don't know what kind of money you're going to need for your medical bills, not to mention everything else. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the thing is just to go after everybody so that you, you can always back down from the, from the request, but you can never go up, right? In my experience, correct. Right. You're not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. You but. just work with them. But, I mean, I, th- I think most of it's all pretty common sense stuff. I think, uh, you know, most lawyers um, are going to try and go for everything they can, and then you as the client can can change that. But, uh, you know, if you're in a massive motorcycle accident with tons of injuries, tons of medical bills, and uh, there's a chance that you weren't at fault, then you need to go after everybody you can. And when it all gets sorted out, we'll see wh- how it ends up. You know, and that's, that's the million-dollar question that, you know, we... And I'm still half and half. I've got to be honest with you, Matt. I'm still half and half. I'd be a lot more sympathetic if he hadn't missed the rider meeting that morning. But if you can honestly, you can look into your heart and say, if I was in that position and my bike was in pieces and I was pretty much in medically in a mess and I had medical bills of 40 or 50 grand... Mm. And there was a chance it wasn't my fault. Could you honestly say, hand on heart, you wouldn't? You'd take the high road and say, "Well, I should have known what I was doing." No, you're going to get an attorney, and you're going to go for it. And those medical bills are just the start. Yeah, I, I think we all, truthfully, we all would. I I think the reason that I jumped to to douchebag is because of the suing Mazda. That to me took it a step too far, and it goes back to what I said. I am very sensitive to people abusing the system. That seemed abusive, but you're saying. No, not so much. I personally think that if he missed a meeting in which they said, watch out for some sandbags yeah. in a turn, then he is 100% at fault. Okay, fair enough. But they didn't talk about that. They didn't do a pre-walkthrough. They didn't talk about the sandbags. Yeah. So everybody everybody was at risk for those. Yeah, but how do you watch out for something if you're in the middle of a crash? I mean, right. Yeah, I mean, that is you know, true. If you're sliding or whatever, it's like, what are you going to do? Well, you do? bail. Right, but like sometimes you get in his control where you're going to bail, you know? But well, I, think, I mean, he ran off. He didn't crash into the yeah. runoff area. I figure, hypothetically, you could be more judicious where you're running off. I don't know. But, you know, my shadow of a doubt is I honestly, if I was in his position, I 
I honestly couldn't say I wouldn't go down the same route he's going down. Oh, you know, I totally would go down the same route. Yeah, if there was a shadow of a doubt, especially if you're dealing with corporations, it's one thing suing an individual, but if you're dealing with corporations who, you know, obviously have got slightly deeper pockets than people, and there's a shadow of a doubt, of course you're going to explore that. All right, I have another one I want to run by you. But first... We have a couple drawings tonight for prizes. Is that a fez? That is a fez. <laughs> it's, you know, kind of motorcycle theme because Shriners. It is an fezes. antique fez. You'd yeah, look good legit. in a fez. So You'd look very Moroccan in a fez. <laughs> <laughs> I got the skin tone for it, baby. <laughs> so Bex has just come in the room to join us, and I stopped her because I, I needed da, da, da. a lovely lady to draw a name out of the hat. But first, here's what this is for. Uh, this is um, our friend Austin over at Twisted Road. That, Hello, Austin. That Matt, you know as well. Hey, Austin. And he's what been up? so kind to once a month to give us a free day rental to give away. And Twisted you know, Road. you talk about somebody who's legit. This is the thing I like the most about this industry. Got Matt sitting next to me. He's a legit guy. He's riding around on a BMW GS. Austin is running Twisted Road V7 Guzzi. And guess what? Matt, can we find your bike listed on Twisted Road? Why, yes, you can. There you go. Wow! It might be the only GS in San Francisco currently. Wow. Interesting. All right. Or at least the only 1,200. So big thanks to Austin. TwistedRoad.com. Check it out if you want to rent a bike on a trip or if you want to list your bike to rent. It's a really cool thing. And this uh, one-day rental is 24 hours and... It is for any price limit. They go up to $350. So it's a $350 value. Uh, well, Don't it's we never one day rental nothing. up to $350. And uh, the, the pitch that I had for it, if you want to use it for this, I said, you know what? A lot of people want to try out an, an electric motorcycle and never had. I've found a bunch of zeros and altas listed on Twisted Road. H two O, baby! What a great test ride! Ooh. A twenty four hour test ride. Are they pretty much everywhere in the East Coast, West Coast? They're, they are. They're getting everywhere. Nice. So, Bex, if you don't mind, shake them up and draw a name. Take a sip of that beer and first. Hand it to me. Romage. All right. And the Fez says. And Romage the winner of Twisted Road and giveaway. Is <gasps> ooh mm-hmm. Rowdy Rhymer. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh. That's right, baby. Yeah, Rowdy, congratulations. You want a free day. Wait, where is Rowdy located? He's in the south somewhere. No? I don't remember. I, I don't remember, but Rowdy has a knack for emailing us notes that yes. I suspect are exactly how he speaks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well done, Rowdy. Trying to source it reasonable awesome. dialect. Cool. Um, Congratulations, so dude. Here's something I think this goes in hands. This is something that's been going around, a uh, video that's been going around this week, and and we can get your non-official legal opinion on this. <laughs> oh, my God. But I think you're the right guy to share an opinion. I want to see what you think. So I had posted a video earlier of the BMW GS1200 oh, self-driving motorcycle on the track. Have you seen this video, Matt? I have. Okay. There was just an eye roll. What do you think about this? The eye roll was for uh, everybody that doesn't like BMW and the GS people all that much. Just gave them <laughs> one more reason to hate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> just smug rich people on TV creating self-driving motorcycles. <laughs> Otherwise, the technology is amazing. Yeah. So many people have reacted negatively to this video. 
uh why why are they going to take that away from us or ruining everything this that and the other um it makes perfect sense to me do you guys agree do you think it makes sense or do you I, think you're opposed to i it? think the spin-off technology would be great because they're from what i understand they're doing it to uh you know develop abs systems and uh anti-collision systems and and things that are will make you ride safer more safely well yamaha so. has been Doing that thing yeah. with their uh, self-driving. Yeah, R1. Motobot. Motobot came out maybe like a year, or two years a- ago. And Honda's been doing so. some yeah. amazing stuff. For Honda years. has the yeah, self-balancing motorcycle. They'll follow you like a dog. Yeah, but this is under an umbrella that all the Japanese manufacturers are working towards this same goal, and that includes the car manufacturers. It's almost like Skynet for roads. So they're all included in that. I mean, I don't know. It's, um, it's automation is kind of the future. So here's you know? here's the first Scary, thing. Though. I do not yeah. think that this bike is intended to be self-driving with you on it uh, normally. That's what they I'm, say. I'm guessing that well, you, this... You get drunk and then you can jump well, on the back and it'll get you home from I the was, It's like a horse. I was, I it's was an just I'm under the assumption that this is a feature that will take over in the event that you to avoid something and it might also help out with riding past your ability in times where you shouldn't be like yeah. splitting you know if you need if you're going too fast maybe it's going to slow you down or if you're about to have an accident it recognizes it before you do and it's able to help apply the brakes i like the idea of going down to the pub drinking 10 or 15 martinis (laughs) and then going home and getting pulled up halfway home by the police saying it was me fucking bike driving but now your bike won't let you ride home right. so in in your non-professional opinion you can have the the bike do the breathalyzer I'm on the back if you're drunk put it up to the muffler baby if you're drunk on a self-driving bike can you get a DUI absolutely Mm -hmm. yes damn it is, a, it is still all a racket. No, but... Shot down in flames. It, in crushed. The, uh, in the legal industry with um, autonomous vehicles, is this something that you guys are worried about, you're on top of, or you just like deal with it as it comes? I think just deal with it, deal with it as it comes. I think this is going to lead to some better safety measures more than anything. Uh, maybe even the small percentage of people that fall asleep while they're riding. There's a lot of, I've met a three or four guys that have fallen asleep and if there's technology, they can safely get them off the road after they fall asleep. Knock, not I am thing. honestly amazed you have not fallen asleep on the bike because you fall asleep everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, uh, I am a vintage days. And fucking up. <laughs> you, but you know, actually, I've just thought of something. Um, We've all seen that sort of halcyon image of an autonomous car where nobody's really driving it. Everybody's just kind of sitting in this bubble thing that's gliding its way through the city. Everyone's seen that. Nobody's really supervising it. So if one person in that car was drunk, full down drunk, then theoretically, who's liable for the car? Well, see, that's an interesting... um discussion on philosophically who's responsible for it the people who develop the technologies and develop the car or the end user which is yeah, and i'm just thinking from a legal standpoint if somebody yeah. wanted to get out of it if you've got an autonomous driving car with no dedicated driving station and i know we're not there yet but right. we're going to get there quicker than you think right. let me tell you you're going to be getting in cars where you sit around the edge on like a couch right and you're all chatting about what you saw last night on the telly um <laughs> and one person is just full down drunk right well and they, that that autonomous car mows some poor cyclist down I'm or really, something yeah it's going to be 
the drunk person was driving, therefore we're not going to pay the billions for this poor cyclist who just lost their leg. Uh, honestly, I'm really looking forward to it because I think it's going to make our roads safer for motorcyclists in particular. Autonomous cars that have sensors where they're not putting their fucking makeup on, they're not having their coffee and going through some dramatic phone conversation and text messaging. And they're always paying attention. As long as yes. it's not an old lady driving a blue Tesla. <laughs> so here's well, the thing. Here's the, well, I, I'm curious if this will but have that the ability. Tesla stopped. So um, have <laughs> any of you been riding a little aggressively, hitting the turns, and you come into a turn, and you go, "Oh shoot, I'm going. I'm 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 hot." You put on the brakes, you stand mm. it up, and when the problem is, you're the weak link. The bike could have done it. It was you that that froze up. I'm wondering if the bike could take over and make that turn and in in fact train you and muscle memory that's to 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 better trust the bike i think that's what the intention is if if the bike can push you into leaning your body in more sure but well, i don't think they have that technology like yet abs <laughs> right? yeah slide control abs systems kind of sort of already that, do that yes. traction control that might be it, it limits your you know how much throttle you're applying to the ground and it'll cut throttle for you but yeah, that might be kind of it's interesting. Like yeah. the bike shows you what it's capable of, and it shows you like, yeah, you can lean down this low, you can go this fast into a corner with this much brake. Yeah, it's gonna be I fine. Mean, even just for like a track day thing, that would yeah, be really but, well, cool. It push your limits I, without dying. I think there's too many variables there, though. Yeah, because it, I, road surfaces, if you can't just say dry pavement gives you this much traction, wet pavement right. gives you this much, because depending on who makes the concrete that day that uh, you know mm-hmm. some concrete is slippier than others some okay. tarmac well, your tire condition so changes yeah california superbike schools use bmw with the, uh, the bmw s1000 rs with mm-hmm. the traction control system and from what i understand that it doesn't what it does is it makes the consequences of pushing the limits less dangerous and severe so if you're gassing out of a corner and you give it full throttle instead of like high siding you'll, you'll get a slip and you can adjust to how much slip that you have based on the traction control system, and you're you're able to approach that that edge a little bit more, you know, safely. And if that's a benefit, probably I don't know. Um, it's an interesting discussion to have. I, I mean, kind of look at it like the the new Goldwings yeah. don't don't have a shifter. Yeah, there's you know it's all automatic. Right, right. It's right. kind of taking some of the the challenge out of riding. Right, right. Same thing with the Altas and the Zeros. And but you know, I'll tell you about that DCT system. God, it's very good. Because I've ridden the Goldwing. Uh, well, the Goldwing's actually more of a CVT. It's you know that's constant drone. But you have yeah. an option though, right? There's yeah. A, there's but the manual uh, and then the uh, yeah the Africa twins clutch. that have actually got the DCT. It's amazing. It shifts up and down through the gears. Just good. Click click click. Click, click, click. I just want to cover something. You just said that it takes the challenge, out, like zeros and altas takes a challenge. Have you ridden a zero or alta? I some, haven't. No. He, he okay, I can tell. I can tell. Theoretically, because once you have ridden one, you'll see it presents a whole new bag of challenges <laughs> in the power available to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Shifting is nothing. Right. Yeah, and, it's and nothing. Can we also bring back the beauty of being on two wheels in an open environment? Because that is a lot of what motorcycling is. Not necessarily shifting. 
Now, as somebody whose family has an autonomous vehicle, and when I've like gone up to the city Semi. for dinner, um, I have put it into self-drive mode and just kind of, well, it doesn't let you sit back. You Does have it, to yeah. keep a hand on the wheel where it yells you. Does it you. have show tunes modes that where you can kind of like get your hand off the wheel and do <laughs> handshakes and stuff? Um, I'd let me just kind of, I had to keep my hand on the wheel, but it let me just engage in conversation and look at, around at the view. We were going down the coast. Oh, so there's actively senses whether you're applying input to the steering wheel and you need you need to your hand hand needs to be on the wheel if if your hands off it will yell at you and then it'll lock you out of self-driving mode. right sorry what is this a tesla model yeah the tesla s tesla s so um but i could see that on a bike it might be cool you know i go out for a ride and i want to self-power but maybe it's late or i'm riding uh, cross country (laughs) or something and you could put it into self-drive mode and just be along for the ride Kind of like, I mean, basically it's cruise control. Yeah. It's uh, it's what we use cruise control for now. I love my cruise control. It's right? <laughs> options, options are nice, man. You know? Yeah. So nice. I'm yeah. for it. Um, I'm, I just am surprised by how many people are really uh, offended by it. By, you know? I, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of by the, reactions. The, the gatekeeping about motorcycles no, I, in general. I am. I'm, I understand I'm just it too. beyond horrified by it. Yeah. I'm beyond, because the relationship I have with my motorcycle when it's out. When I'm out on the road on my bike, I'm having such an intimate relationship with it that any kind of autonomous intervention is it's no. No, it's it's I'm not, on that it's page not too. it's not motorcycling that I know, and it's not motorcycling that I want. But to do you know. feel the yeah. same way about ABS and traction control? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you do. Okay, but at the same time, I want the option to so, for example, going cross country, to be able to flip that on. I mean, I did my <laughs> my throttle control with the cruise control with my foot at one point <laughs> because engineer crash too twice but that's besides the point it's because you get to a stage where you're just like all right this is droning so it's right. not a motorcycling experience this is like i'm going points so how do you feel like my truck has autumn like my truck when i'm driving yes. i'm not paying attention it'll yes. say hey something's in front of you hey something's really in front of you and then it stops itself no and that's wow. fine i mean would that work how, how would that do in a, well i don't know if a motorcycle physics would let that happen but you know i, I, would I mean if, like if, yeah i mean it'd be kind of okay nice. yeah. but you know i'd have to ask myself if i'm in a position where i need that on a bike have i just relinquished the right to actually ride yeah, but you know, uh, yeah. we all like kind of phase. We try not to, but uh, yeah, we kind of I know phase we, out. You know, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so I guess the issue is where do you draw the line of what technology you think is appropriate for you? Because like when I ride my motard, a lot of the times I think I wish I had a slipper clutch so I don't have to like feather this clutch going into the turn to slide it's it nice. out. It's nice. It's nice. I mean, like nice. I mean, I guess it's different for everybody. Obviously, this is a personal thing, but I mean, collision detection systems. In the grand scheme of things, of, of uh, making it better for you and, and the whole of society, is that a bad thing to have? Or is that like something that goes, oh, no, 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 you can't do that because you're not a real biker if you have one well, of those? Or how does that work? Let's, you know? let's pretend we live in a world where this exists. And let's also pretend that it was on Henry's bike. <laughs> no, I'm no, wondering. Yeah, could this it, is interesting. Because um, part of the question is, when you are faced with a car turning in front of you, as has happened to Henry, you have to make a decision. 
Yeah. You are you going to bail or are you going to try and evade the collision? And if the bike has been monitoring the situation, recognizes that you have now put yourself in danger, it's going to hypothetically make the best decision to avoid the collision. And I'm wondering if yeah, if, if you, any of Henry's accidents might have been avoided yeah, if, if, if you, the bike took over. If you allow the system to do it for you, I guess a part of it is is how much control you're willing to give to the system. If you believe the system is 100% infallible it would probably be beneficial for you to let the machine do it. How do you feel about that, Henry? So. Would you buy a bike like that that would have that that ability? I, um, I think it's it, – there's a threshold for me. I'm kind of yeah. a little bit more old-fashioned like Emma. But, I mean, things like traction control or ABS, I'd like, I'd like to have on my bike. But having a bike that physically takes over what I judge, I'm not really sure and about that. Did, and don't get me wrong because I want to make sure that my point's clear here. We sell a ton of bikes with ABS and traction control at the shop. Yeah. And I'm a huge advocate of of it for entry-level rider, for somebody who's just starting out, for somebody who's not quite sure of themselves, for somebody who's riding in a very low-grip situation. Mm. But for me, this is a very personal journey. If I go back to what I was riding in 1978, in 1978, I was riding a Suzuki GS1000. It had three disc brakes, it had telescopic forks, it had a swing arm, and about 100 horsepower. Now, I ride a Suzuki RF900. It's got three disc brakes, it's got telescopic forks, it's got swing arm rear suspension, and about 120 horsepower. So in 40 years, I've gained about 20 horsepower. I'm very happy. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's Bex. Do I know how to ride that bike? Elegant. You know, it's just where it's at for mm-hmm. me. I don't want anything to become to come between me and the relationship I'm having with that bike. It'd be like sitting at having an intimate dinner with your partner and having an annoying friend. Just, hey, can I have your bread roll? Hey, can I have your bread roll? <laughs> it, it, it's getting between the intimacy you're having with your bike. Yeah. Hey, but can I have a bread roll? The beauty of it, though, is you can we can choose. I mean, I love yeah. the technology. That's I hope it gets it. better. And then I, I, I hope I can Flip choose not to have it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. and you know, I mean, maybe it'll be, at the moment, it's still that annoying guy. Can I have your bread roll? <laughs> maybe it'll be a little less intrusive. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I think it's, you could dump hey, the guy and that would take care of that. Yeah, hey, I, can I have your bread roll? <laughs> you know, and just be slightly less annoying. But I just, I just really like... You know, I'm an analog woman living in a digital world. You know, I oh, just like... it's a good one. So the the bottom line for me is I know oftentimes that I am the weak link on the bike, that the bike is more capable than I am. And I also know that there are times when you were faced with a sudden decision, maybe you've gone too fast on a turn or dog has run out or something, mm. that I don't know if I will make the right decision in a split second. Knowing that there's the possibility of having, having this technology to assist me in those situations, already admitting that I am the least capable between me and the bike, and admitting that I cannot make a decision as quick as a 
programmed computer can. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing, but I also think that people are intimidated by having technology take and over. I'm, I'm going to throw a wrench in that, and okay. I put it to you that you would eventually start riding your bike based on the knowledge that you have this, and you would actually start riding your mm-hmm. bike in a more... Knobby way? Knobby, <laughs> riskier way, <laughs> thinking, mm-hmm. hey... The ABS is going to get me out of this. The traction control is going to get me out of this. Yeah. The autonomous capability. I, yeah. I have bikes with ABS. I did not ride harder and brake harder because it depends of it. on the person, right? It depends on, it the, depends person, on the person. But if you know that ultimately your bike's going to be your wingman and pull you out of the deep shit, you're going to take make start making some questionable right. decisions you know, find, you based find, on you, fallible technology. Right, because so, you find you you find where that edge is on any bike that you ride because you need to know those limits. So so when you have a bike that has those additional capabilities as a rider, you're going to push that at some point to, to figure out where that is to know what you can and can't do with that bike, right? Yeah, just I have a bike with ABS. It doesn't mean I ride faster, take more chances, but I have had times where a car turned in front of me mm-hmm. and the ABS stopped before I hit the car, whereas regular brakes mm-hmm. I would not right. have been able to. Yeah, it I was, mean, and it was, I remember the first time it ever happened on my BMW RT. It was shocking because I never felt that action that. <laughs> Yeah, it's very I strange. Mean, uh, yeah. yeah, like what happened to me when the Tesla pulled out in front of me, if I had ABS on my V-Strom, I probably would still have the V-Strom right now. There's okay, a good chance. Uh, if you had a collision detection system that was, let's just say, like 99 to 95% more accurate, would you put you know, reasonable expectation in that system? Would you have faith in that system? Hey, guys, my Toyota Corolla has that. Yeah. When I am coming too fast up on a car, mm-hmm. my Corolla beeps <laughs> and... I don't know if it has the ability to brake like a Tesla does, but I do know my Corolla also has lane assist that if I drift out of the lane, mm-hmm. it beeps and will turn the wheel and bring me back into the lane. Does that mean that I drive errantly letting those things take care of me? No. Well, but yeah. I'm kind of surprised when they do kick in. You have it's, I guess if you'd have to approach it, it is a warning system. Maybe you're tired. Yeah. Maybe you should take a rest. And so we won't have to warn you again kind of a thing. So yeah. is this the same kind of argument as a helmet loss? Where, you know, we know that I, I don't ride faster if I have a helmet on. Well, I don't ride without a helmet. But, you know, I mean, is it the same analogy where the government says we have to have a helmet law? Should, should no, we I, be mandated to have traction control? And I would just like to see some of those things help me ride safer lane splitting. Yeah. Like, just start, yeah. let's start yeah, there. Let's I mean, start with filtering and make that safer. Hmm. I think it's a slightly different argument than the one you're making, John. I think you, your basis on helmets is based on it's not so much that it's making things safer it's someone's telling you to do it and i don't think that's the argument we're having here Mm. i'm just saying for me i -hmm. prefer less technology Mm -hmm. for my style of riding but you know the helmet thing I think mm. the the if you've got an issue with a helmet, it's not necessarily that the helmet's safer. Everyone here knows a helmet's safer. If you fall off your bike wearing a helmet, your chances are you're not going to smash in your noggin. If you fall off a bike not wearing a helmet, you know you, you're probably going to get a bashed in noggin. It's as simple as that. But that's not the argument. The argument is it's the government telling you, and at the moment nobody's telling us we have to have autonomous motorcycles. Mm. So I think it's a different argument, and but I do take your point. I mean, point taken, but that's not this argument. Can we agree that it's a kind of a cool feature if it I, were to come to fruition? I think, I think it is. 
Yeah. I mean, all of these safety features we have came from tests like this. It, are they going to put a fully automated vehicle out for sale? I don't think so. Probably not in our lifetime. No, but I think may they put one out that can correct, autocorrect, maybe. Mm. I think that's what this is establishing, a bike that can do that. It's like trying to bring a reason into this unreasonable thing you call motorcycling. <laughs> and it is kind of funny that they Just used a GS. So uh, I, I don't even know. Um, like, could you take this in the dirt? I wonder how good it is. Yeah. <laughs> get to that sand wash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, right? Oh, man, if I could use that to get through the mud puddle, yeah. I totally I'll just would. get off the bike and go, go through the mud. I'll meet you through sand. <laughs> I'll be having a beer. No, that's that's the thing. Maybe it doesn't work when you're on it. Maybe it's a way you get off the bike and let it navigate through. <laughs> and then you can get back on. When you're through the, the hard stuff. Call it like a horse. I bet you, you, and, you, you and Charlie may be interested for the next, <laughs> next trip. Giddy up, GS. <laughs> I, I think pounds. there are some people that um, an automated system works really well with them because they're just not drivers or riders, but maybe they want to drive or ride. I'm and have for to drive. others, like, like Emma, like I, I, personally, I like to control my bike. Isn't, right. Isn't that what a three wheeler's for? <laughs> oh. That's not a motorcycle. No, but you know, Bex has got Shots a very, fired. very valid point. And we all take riding motorcycles and driving for granted. I mean, you know, I've got a license to drive pretty much anything on the road. Mm-hmm. And I feel very comfortable yes. at the control. You got a license of, to drive me nuts. Oh, thanks. Well, no. I want drive I, me nuts. I baby. feel. I feel very, very comfortable even in the largest vehicles. Mm-hmm. I'm very much at home behind the controls of a big vehicle, a motorcycle, whatever. There are a lot of people who aren't. Yeah. Well, hold on. I want to see what Maya thinks about this. Maya, <laughs> uh, Maya, what do you think? Um, about the self-driving motorcycle? Yeah. I think... Um, well, okay, so I was taking philosophy class <laughs> last year, and oh no, we, were, oh no. we That's had great. a whole ethics thing about self-driving cars, and hmm. ethically, I think that it's okay, but personally, I really just hate it. Like, <laughs> yeah. And it's more of just like a personal opinion of just like, I don't like the idea of technology taking over everything. I like us being able to do things. I don't like how everything is getting easier and easier and easier. So, so you're with them and not us. Yeah. No, she's, no, darling, she's with me. I knew there was something I liked about you the moment we met Maya. Now I know what it is. Cool. We're very simpatico with this... This this abhorrence for technology. We, you know, the human condition, we are meant to be challenged. We are meant to rise to the sure. challenge and set ourselves difficult tasks and overcome them. That's what it means to be human. I have something made so fucking easy that you can become an expert in whatever just by saying, I am now an expert at riding a motorcycle because I've got a freaking autonomous bike. At what cost? Start smashing the machines now. Simmer, simmer down there. Simmer down there, Limey. <laughs> Maya, did you have to go? I do. Have You're to trying go. to get out. That's why I was letting you go. All right. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you so Appreciate much. It. Sure, yeah, no problem. So, much. Thank so you. all right. Um, so, why don't we do 
another drawing. Ooh. Ooh. Knock. Oh, what are In we front at? of you. Oh, my God. You've got oh, a big box of a lot of stuff. Swag bag. Can you start rifling through and listing what I'm is rifling. in there? Don't take How, as long as Emma takes. Okay. How big is the dildo in this one? And I can tell you, thank you very much, Matt, from Law of Tigers. There's a bunch of swag in there. You're going to enjoy it. All right. So cool. what we have is, is uh, yeah, we got a swag bag from Law Tigers with stickers and a buff and some other pens and wonderful things. That buff is a bandana, sir. Oh, is it a bandana? bandana? Yes. Oh, but, but and lip nice. balm. <laughs> Important. But there is a clear water lights uh, buff in there, too. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hat. Nice Law hat. Tigers. Black hat. Um, Well, LED keychain light, which is quite handy. Clear water lights. Very bright. LED light. Ah. Keychain light. Are there, are there any... Oh, this is a good one. This is the fun one. Are there oh, we got to show this to Matt. Frosted Flake cereal? <laughs> no, but there is a live-free, ride-naked, naked gym coffee mug. Oh, cool, yeah. the blimey. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, take a look at that. You'll like that one. Misfit stickers. Oh, and we also have a $25 gift card. I love uh, it. <laughs> gift card to Twisted Road. Hey, 25 bucks off. Yeah, and rent a bike, get 25 bucks off. Or list your motor- motorcycle, get 25 off. It's that easy. Um, oh my god. Ha! Oh yeah. This is what's up. An Evil Knievel socks. My favorite. Evil Knievel socks from Stance. Oh, right. socks. Ubiquitous Evil Knievel socks. I love these Evil Knievel socks. These are socks. some sweet looking socks, man, I gotta admit. <laughs> yeah, hey, why Stars are, and bars, baby. I will, why aren't the Gary Davis socks? I, because he never crashed. But, but no the one, man still wears socks. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm still, and I'm still editing that show. We're going to be getting that out soon. Oh, okay. And I feel this is quite the gem. Yes. This is the Motion Pro Hydraulic Brake Bleeder. Motion Pro. I mean, Hydraulic Bleeder. You can use it on your clutch, your yeah. brake. Yeah. But we use these here in the shop a lot. These are great. Yeah. It's a little check valve, so it's one person can it's bleed. It's a very, very handy quick. little bleeder. Super handy. <laughs> yes. I got to get me one of these. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you don't want to use it how Nock uses it. No, you don't. Or maybe you do if you're that kind of a freak. Hey, <laughs> now. What else? Uh, you got t shirts? Oh, we got another Law Tiger t shirt. Uh, hey, I want a Law some, Tiger t shirt. We, we got a key I fob some, here. I got some stuff. So we got so, some bullshit here, guys. We got some bullshit. So just a reminder this is for our Patreon subscribers. Oh, wait, also. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Elizabeth Beard uh, for her book to get a discount on that. Discount on nice. that for Lone Rider. Mm hmm. Good book. Yeah. Um, That's a good show. So for our Patreon subscribers, everyone's name who subscribes, who supports us is in here. Even people who just recently supported us. I got their name in the bag. Maybe people who haven't done the Ask Me Semi yet. Pass the the bag to Matt. Matt. And you get to uh, stick your hand in the sack, mate. Sorry. Draw a name out. Fiddle, fiddle. And let's see who wins the Patreon prize pack of the month. Give us that name. Where's the name? There it is. Michael. You can take the last name for me. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Oh, wait. Does it start with an S? Is it Michael Simborski. Yes! Uh, I wouldn't Michael. have gotten it. I wouldn't have gotten this it. Guy, it's mostly consonants. This guy, he wins stuff. Yeah, Michael is the He's the one when we were at, um, I think it was when I was there with Jamber, was it with you, at AMA Vintage Chase, he won the Zero Motorcycle Raffle. Oh, no. Oh, wow. is, that motherfucker's in Australia. No, no, no. no that not, was the raffle. That was the, the that, Cleveland Motor Raffle. Not Phil bike. Cleveland Moto, Motoguzzi. Oh, This I'm was sorry. a year or two ago. Oh, okay. I think it was two years ago. He won 
Well, guess what, Michael? You've just won an awesome swag yeah, bag. Yeah, remember, did you go to um, the the AMA Museum with us? Yes. We met him there. Oh, yes. 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 He's a very chill dude. And then after the, the after the Vintage Days, he won the zero. So this dude's got luck, man. Yeah, but you know who's... Buy a lottery ticket, dude. But mm-hmm. let me tell you something right now. Everyone's a winner if you listen to our podcast. Cool. <laughs> so thank you to all of our subscribers. Um, and your name is in there, hopefully. Next month, we'll draw your name. So yeah. You never know what crap we're going to fob off on you next week. Yeah. I wanted to get to email soon, but first, John but. and Nock are going to give us an update. There's some stuff happening in the racing world that's kind of exciting. What mm-hmm. is going on? So I'm going to give John the handle to this because oh. uh, I don't really follow racing all that much. I could just kind of make snide comments and interesting ones on the side, but John, go for it. Well, I don't follow all racing, but yeah. some racing. Yeah. And I, I am stoked about uh, especially about American Flat Track and about Moto yeah. America Road Racing. Yeah. And I just, I'm so hoping for a revival of American racing of all forms. Mm-hmm. But man, I remember back in the day, it was, you know, it was a whole different situation. So, but we got a couple of really amazing champions that have just emerged uh, this year. So, one, Jared Mees in American Flat Track is just tearing it up. And he, uh, I think he's won ten races this year. He's going to win the uh, win the championship, um, almost almost for sure. There's two more races to go. Okay. And Jared is uh, he's a rock star, and he reminds me of old school like Freddie Spencer and Kenny Roberts and some of the old timers that um, you know that that really dominated their sports. I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping that he like transitions into road racing maybe and see if yeah. he, can, he can win a couple different kinds so jared you know big congrats out to him and i'm really watching we, we were talking about the women uh riders uh, a few minutes ago so uh shana texter uh she's in third place right now in the in the singles category and she's the first husqvarna uh factory rider it's the new factory team that that and she is just tearing it up she's super fast she's young and uh, I'm really excited about kind of where she's going and her and her future in the sport. Yeah. And I can't wait to see her move up to the twins and to really continue to dominate. So you know, always cheering on the women riders. We want to see them um, really dominate the sport. Right so on. excited about that. Cool. Yeah. So what kind of bike does Mies ride? Who? What factory is he riding? He's for? on the Indian team. Indian team. Okay. Yeah, the Indians are just are just pretty unstoppable right now. So, yeah. So you know, AFT is is it's a hoot. You know, you should go if it's around your area. Um, you know, I think the last one sold out, which yeah. is really exciting for, you know, American American racing. Where's the next two races? Uh, I know yeah. there's one in Jersey coming up, and I think there's one in the Midwest. Okay. There's, a, there's a half mile and a mile left, I believe. Oh, cool. The last one is a mile. Yeah, get your tickets, guys. It's fun to watch. So, and, you know, shout outs to, I don't know if we've talked about it here, anybody's talked about it, to Brad Baker, uh, Indian team also. Yeah. Um, you know, he got hurt a couple of races ago and, and broke his back, I believe, and he's, uh, he's paralyzed from the waist down right now. Yeah. So they're hoping to get, uh, get oh, his really? facilities I, back. I yeah. thought he had function in it, that it was just I think it's like, starting to come back, but he's okay. still in a wheelchair, and, uh, Shit, and he's dude. still kind of having a hard time getting around. So oh, I just want to... But he's been up and walking. Have you seen that? I saw it, but... I, the, but I, that's how they train the body. Yeah, they got that new thing they're working Mm -hmm, on with him. mm -hmm. So I really, I'm hoping he gets back, you know, full health and comes back to racing again. And he's such a great, a great rider and a great racer. And did you report on Anna yet? No, Anna. 
So we um yeah there is deer in the a, headlight. yeah there's a little bit of deer there's, in the headlight. There's here. another so thing I, did, I just found out about her last last there's, week. There's and, some ex- exciting stuff happening with a new, with a writer I've never heard of. Yeah, she's that, a she's a, fr- a Spanish writer if yep. I believe uh, Ana running Carrasco, in MotoGP Carrasco right, and I think she's in Moto Two or Moto Three. So she's an up, up and coming writer, young writer, and she's uh, in the championship right now. She's I think in first place. So this is the first time a woman has a shot at winning a MotoGP on MotoGP. Race. Isn't that That's amazing? Fantastic! So we got to be cheering her on. We should get like shirts with her name. And on you it know, uh, Spain has a long history yeah. of champions. They're known as the Spanish Armada in MotoGP, right? There's just so many fast. And, you Spanish know, going dudes. going way back to my day and before Angel Nieto mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. lightweight class, he was unstoppable. Yeah. So. Go Spain. So on the Moto America side, Cameron Bobier, um, a mm-hmm. guy, local guy from Sacramento area, is uh, he just won uh, hit the championship for the Superbike, and uh, he's just been tearing it up all year. So he got the uh, first place plate back for next year. So super excited about about him and JD Beach, one of my favorites, is yeah. in the Super Sport. Um, really sharp young rider. He also goes and rides flat track too. So he's one of those he crossover won, he, guys. He won the Super Legario, Legario yeah. or second? Did he come super in second? Prestigio. Prestigio. So I don't think he's won year, a championship yeah. yet, but he's in first place right now. And and you know both of those classes are really are really exciting. And you know we all should go out and support American Flat Track and Moto America and all the other other hooligan yeah. stuff and everything. It's just go to a race. If there's a race yeah. near you, if it's a local race, I don't care who it is. Go to a race and support racers because that's uh, that's the most exciting. Well, not just part. that. I mean, you can watch online. Absolutely, BN Sports has the um, Moto America. And yeah. So. It's it's really accessible, and I think NBC now has a American Flat Track NBC oh, cool. Sports, which I think they renewed it for next year again. So, man, we got to keep keep pushing this stuff. Yeah, there's some really cool 100%. stuff happening. So, I wanted to, well, you know, we're about to get to emails, but first, hey, knock. Yes. Can we revisit something? Okay. There was a conversation. Oh, yeah. With a listener that happened, and um, I wanted to give you some credit for how that played out. Yeah. Uh, So, (laughs) you know, from time to time we get messages that come through that are not always um, flattering about certain people, and I often don't share them with everyone. Um, (laughs) And this is one of those ones that when it came through I went, Oh boy. Oh no. So uh, this one, um, we're not going to say who it was, but um, here we go. It, I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read the original message that came through. And <laughs> it says, starts with love your show, but please knock needs to go. <laughs> He's argumentative it. and obnoxious. This is, oh, both, <laughs> this is both true. The this argument about spring coils on episode 274 was the final straw. <laughs> he was wrong and couldn't let it go. Mm. I'm sure this will fall on deaf ears, but I felt the need to vent. Mm-hmm. And I responded. You want to read my response? Uh, no, go ahead. I don't have that called up, actually. I responded, vent away. Not can be annoying and argumentative <laughs> sometimes, but he's usually the one keeping us laughing. Anyway, we can't get rid of him. He's the exotic number one. <laughs> number one. I thought Dalton was, dude. Nope. Uh, he's the OG. Exotic. Oh, uh, got it. Okay. So, um, but then 
<laughs> Apparently, Knock was monitoring. Yeah. Uh, the I had Facebook just page. come home from like a, a supper with some friends, and it was like he a, came home <laughs> drunk. <laughs> it was like at one or two o'clock in the fucking morning. Something's wrong on the internet. That's a long dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's as if uh, my spider senses are tingling. Right. <laughs> But, uh, so yeah, so so then he responded that uh, basically he's like, well, I thought it, oh, it was really cool. I didn't think anyone would answer. And he yeah. he started talking about what bikes he has, stuff like that. And so the knock jumps in, and knock. Uh, we won't go into the details. Knock was very cool. And at the end, he just said, you know. Um, anyway, these are the kind of conversations we have here in the in the garage. And cheers from Santa Cruz. And then for the next like hour. The two of them were going back and forth cordially. But as we do, the way we kind of bicker, argue, debate. Yes. And this guy was just going toe to toe with Knock. And I just mm. want to read. I learned the, some shit. I want to read the final. The final one is final, the. Yeah. So Knock's last statement was In any case, do you have a link or resource where I can learn more of this? Mm-hmm. And then his final thing he said is. To be fair, I may be wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I thought, you know, how awesome that they just engage in a great debate slash conversation, but they both did it cordially, and they both kind of backed off of each other, and, and I think uh, that listener came away with a little more respect for you now. Yeah, what it was is I think we were missing the context in which this discussion is regarding these. Uh, this is regarding the spring thing. But uh, I texted exactly. Phil about it, and, uh, and and I got more information. And um, and I'm right, and he's right about certain things. It's um, again, it's context is important. Right. And, and that's the thing I wanted yeah. to make clear to you, Nock. Yeah. It's it's within a context, mm-hmm. and it's what you were saying was kind of a half truth, right? Based on a very very narrow set of parameters, yeah. but in the context that you were suggesting it in, it would have precisely the opposite effect. Right. And so our friend who was accusing you of being argumentative and annoying wasn't <laughs> was right on both counts about <laughs> you course. and the spring. But it's just it kind of brings back to my mind that um, context is. Everything. You got to see the big picture. Like there are truthisms that that people say, but you got to question those sometimes and kind of like actually learn the math and physics behind it. Right. Uh, I got me to Hooke's Law and all these kind of cool videos from yeah. from uh, Detroit just, Eaton Springs and yeah. But just remember, Nock, I didn't lower my jack by putting longer springs on it. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, what I got from Phil was uh, need some info. I asked this of Phil. From Cleveland Meadow because he's he's the guy too. Uh, hey Phil. Hi Phil. Need some Philippe. info? <laughs> Cutting coil springs make them stiffer. Yeah? Question mark. And his answer was only over their new effective range. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. And that's the important thing yeah. because, and we talk about context. Almost every spring that you encounter on a motorcycle is compressed or extended to a certain degree just within its confines so when you take that into account shortening spring will actually make it softer rather than than longer but it's knowing it's knowing the concept and we're timed out time out (laughs) no more spring talk but yeah go to the internet do the research yourself find out about hook's law there's tons of internet videos on youtube about how this works in and if you if you look extremely closely 
Hopefully, you will find it located conveniently between winter and summer. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good night. But guess what, Nock? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you another opportunity to be... Uh, Annoying. An, an, uh, argumentative every, every and day, opinionated. Baby. Every Emma, day, baby. can you read your email? I'm going to read my email right now, <laughs> darling. Here is an email from Jacob Martin. Hey, Jacob. Hey, guys. New listener to your podcast, and it's been a lot of fun. I'm also a fairly new bike rider, having just upgraded from my first bike, a KLR 650, to a used GS 1200. You listening, Matt? There you go. Took a while to get on two wheels, but I'm loving it. Anyway, All right. All right. the reason I'm emailing has wanted some advice from the crew that rebuilds, restores, and revives motorcycles in all conditions. Shortly after I got my endorsement, a friend, and he's put that in inverted commas, so I think hmm. it's a it's a frenemy, <laughs> gifted me a project bike. <laughs> uh, 1999 Triumph Daytona 955. Oh, that's such a good bike. Yeah. In need of a new oil pump. That's interesting. Oh, man. I think the bike is amazing, and I really want one, especially after doing some reading on them. Um, Yeah, they're great bikes. Oh, my God. It arrived in my garage in the form of one rolling frame, one engine not attached, and 12 boxes of various components. Um, After getting the engine on a stand, I found out that in addition to the oil pump it needs, the lower case has a hairline crack, which oil seeps through Mm. and is completely deformed from being dropped. Um, as well as the stator cover being almost split in half. Um, so given all that, would you rec- guys recommend I look as far as getting it on the road, new motor, new case, and try and transfer mm. the internals, oh, wow. new bike and scrap this lot as not worth the cost of the rebuild, some other option I'm not aware of. Um, his mechanical ability is decent. He's rebuilt car motors, done quite a lot of mechanical re- repairs of um, one sort or another. Um, the most he's done on a bike was swapping the tank and cables and installing bars and risers on my two ADVs. Thank you for your time, Misfits. How much time you got? Because based on what skill set you displayed here on the email, rebuilding motors, if you want to do it, you got this. So I'm concerned if it needs a new oil pump, does that mean that and the engine is out? Is that because nah, I there think, was damage I think it, to the no, engine? I, no, I think it's probably a heavy, a heavy drop. Um, let me tell you about those 955 engines. There is nothing complex about a Triumph 955 engine. It's a three-cylinder bike. It's it's a big engine. It's a physically, it's a very very big engine. The components in it are quite big and chunky. It's a good way to get your rebuilding chops. And let's be honest, if you were given it, you can't beat that price. You know, I'd try a set of casings. Why not? So um, I'd like to weigh in on this. Um, Emma, how much does it cost to tear down an engine? Oh, at the shop? No, in somebody's garage. How Uh, much should they invest in tearing down an engine? Absolutely zip. Exactly. I think this is a perfect opportunity to tear it down, inspect everything. And he's lost nothing. Lost nothing. Just Now, reassembling... Um, you you start making a list, um, and and you're going to quickly find. Let's say this the cams are out of spec, or this and that. You know, plus even if everything is in good working order, you're going to want to. You're going to have to do gaskets. You probably want to do yeah, the chain. Yeah, there's bucks. There's a lot of stuff in there. Two hundred bucks. Here's what I think is going to be the deal breaker. What about the rest of the bike? What's the condition of the seat? Right. The tank. The master cylinder, Hmm. all the bits and pieces. It's the bits and pieces that can make it not viable. Yeah, how much time you got? 
So if it's a pristine bike and it needs an engine rebuild, great opportunity to dig in and start making lists. But if it needs other things, shocks, all that stuff, that can quickly add up. Yeah. At what point is it just this is uh, getting it back on the road versus full resto? Because yeah. that line is, you do know. You, do, you not wanna, do you want to know what the weak point of the 955 is? Let me starter. guess. The electrical? Is it the starter motor? Mm, kind Sprog? of. Yeah, clutch. sprag clutch. Yeah. And the reason, it's not necessarily a bad sprag, sprag clutch, but you got to split the cases it's, to yeah, replace them. The so there, huh? when they start banging, you got to split those cases. Now, they cured that on the 1050. They put the sprag clutch um, on the outside. You still have to dismantle the clutch side to get to it. But at least you're not splitting cases. But on those 955s, oh, God. Hmm. It's also going to come down to availability, as Jim learned when he blew the engine on his... Oh, you can get everything mm. for Triumphs. On his bike, on his 350, you couldn't find one. Yeah. So... If you can get everything for Triumphs, why not just buy a, an engine? That's what I recommended people. Like when Andy blew his engine, I said, don't rebuild if you do not have the space. Because it takes a lot of space to accurately lay everything out, catalog everything as you're taking it apart. And it takes a lot of money just buying gaskets and bits. Uh, Jason, get You might get a motor. Jason, get stuck in, mate. Get yeah. stuck in. Why not? And see yeah. how you feel because... At the moment, the bike owes you nothing. Exactly. If you dismantle the engine, lay it all out on your bench, and contemplate suicide or something, <laughs> stop yeah. right there, throw it away, you've lost nothing. On the other yeah. side of the coin, that is a big bruiser of an engine, and it comes apart in pretty big bits. I think you're going to say to yourself, I can tackle this. And even if you tackle it and make a complete horse's ass of it, all you're going to be into is the cost of a second-hand set of case halves, which you should be able to score for about 100 bucks, because the production run for the 955 is long. And a gasket set, which is probably also 100, 100 bucks. So for 200 bucks, potentially, you could potentially spend an awful lot more. Yeah. But if you just want a rider and the cams are okay and so on and so forth, yeah, get stuck in. You've got nothing to lose. Plus except it's sanity. Yeah, plus you get to learn a bunch of cool shit about Triumph Motors. And, you know, there's, <laughs> you know, nothing, there's nothing like riding a bike at 100 miles an hour that, that you have built. Right. There's nothing like it. This is true. <laughs> I wouldn't you know. know. <laughs> because there's one <laughs> thing. I mean, anyone, anyone can go out and buy a bike that'll do 100 miles an hour. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You know, a 400 Ninja will do 100 miles an hour easily. So, so Emma, how similar is it to my 2955? Exactly the same. I love my engine. It has almost 60,000 miles on it. I was able to ride it around the country yep. confidently. It brought me back. In fact, it brought me and Henry back <laughs> to Santa Cruz. I endorse... Oh, it's a big bruiser it of an engine. Do it's it. a wonderful thing. See see what happens. And yeah, if you, if you got into something you just don't want to go for, you don't need to do it anymore. There you go. Sound advice from a 955 owner. Cool. Well, I have another email here. And this one is from Adam Robeson. Adam Haddam. So he says, hey, is y'all. Adam, Adam, wait, wait, wait. Adam Robitussin. Robeson. Oh, sorry. Robeson. <laughs> I, was, I thought I had a tickly cough. 
says, hey, y'all, Adam from Taos, New Mexico here. Just started listening about six months ago. Hey, Adam. But I'm into it, which reminds me. We had two visitors from New Hampshire come by today, so I wanted to say, hey, you guys, it was great to meet you. Um, he says, I've been trying to ride around on one of my multiple silver wings. Oh, lucky guy. <laughs> but buying six $100 bikes and, and expecting one of them to run right or safe is pretty far-fetched. I think he's got the entire amount of silver wings that are left. <laughs> <laughs> he says he really enjoyed our story on Comstars. Yes. I'm glad you like that. Well, yeah, he's got 12 Comstars. <laughs> he says, uh, because, you know, obviously, because I have a thing for these silver wings. Yes. So I think he's, yeah, got a lot of Comstars. Now, um, just to remind people what a silver wing is, a silver wing is a Honda CX-500 customer. Them mm-hmm. with a prolink rear end thank you yes carry on so he says um lately he's been riding around in an 81 kz 1000 ltd he's wondering if we would do a story on them and uh, and also include other cop bikes well you know the the, the kz 1000 ltd was never a cop bike um the KZ1000P was the cut bike. Right. The LTD was an interesting thing. It was in the early days of what I want to call American influence over Japanese bikes. In the early and mid-70s, you basically got Japanese bikes that Japan thought that America or England would like. Is that This is the style. There you are. And they, they were just standards. UJMs. Yeah, exactly. Now... And around 77, Japan started thinking, well, you know, America's quite a big market. Let's try and pitch bikes specifically to Americans. And there'll be limited production bikes. We'll call them LTDs. And they usually had step seats and higher bars and slightly louder pipes and, you know, kind of fatter back wheel emulating the Harleys. And the whole sort of Japanese, what became cruisers, were born Mm. so really in the early days these ltds are the cruisers from back in the day and it was just something like a z1000 Mm -hmm. with just a few accoutrements that made it look a little more us-ish i remember when Mm. i was a new rider i'd ridden an ltd 440 yeah and then somebody says uh you want to try out my ltd 1000 and (laughs) the first time you get you know when you're brand new to riding and you think that the 1000 is just going to be an unwieldy monster and i remember i sat down on this ltd 1000 just expecting to pop the clutch and take off in flames and wheelies yeah and it's just just like not much more than the 440 (laughs) it was fun but um he says his up the butt bike is an old TW two hundred with ape hangers and some leather fringe. Q two hundred. No, right. no, no. He's kidding. He's kidding. He says that Hutch built BMW board tracker. Yeah, that's a good uh, one. That's a cool bike. Hutch built. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. he says look at this he thing. loves all the new stuff out that um, that he says love all the new stuff out that I have to look up later. Waiting to hear if you pronounce Taos right for the first time. Thanks. Yeah. Taos. It's uh, it's Taos. Rams cool. Taos. So uh, you know that's not a bad idea. I think maybe we should do cop bikes sometime. Yeah. And I think we'll go through the list and include a lot of the European ones because, or even in Pakistan, he was they were riding two fifties. Yes. With like full like bags and everything. Do you know? Do I you know a- that you could buy a Norton Commando in police trim? I think I've seen it's that. It's called the Interpol. 
But we didn't used to call them that in England. Oh, we can integrate some electric we, we, we call them well. interplods. Interplods. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll do that list. The only thing I'm not ready to include on that list are the Ducati police bikes they used in the new chips. Yeah, movie. we're not quite there. Yeah, yeah. not that. <laughs> what about, what about right. cop scooters? Uh, ooh. Uh, what about oh, the electrics? Oh yeah, those and are then great. the rangers oh, yeah. that are out in the the outback. For yeah, so this the, is the a park. great yeah. topic. Thanks. I think we'll have MS, to revisit MS history hole sometime. Emma's history hole cop bikes through the ages. Yes, I'm putting that on the list. Bagel. Yes. Do you have an email there? Bagel. I do. Uh, this is from Keith Atkins. Hello, Keith. Or Keith. I tried your diet, Atkins. Keith. It's no good. <laughs> Sorry, Keith Atkins. I, gotta, I need new glasses. Uh, it says, hello, Misfits. Keith here from Spring, Springfield, Missouri. Spinkton, New Jersey. Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> They're tired people. <laughs> anyway, you all inspire us, your, your listeners, to go and do in so many ways. I just wanted to share another. My family and I took a vacation and decided to visit Nashville, Tennessee for a few days. <clears throat> While there, we had a list of touristy things to do, but when I got to add my two cents, I wanted to find an auto or motorcycle museum. The Misfits always find the coolest places, and I wanted to see what I could find. Mm. Jackpot. We found this museum called Lane Motor Museum. It was awesome. Cool. Mostly full of old foreign cars, of everything from Czechoslovakia, France, Germany, but yeah. also a ton of one-off custom-built cars or prototype cars that never made it into production. Ooh. The best part is that all of them run, and they try to drive each one at least once a year, over 600 cars. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. I bet there's a lot in that fleet somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there, there were no ropes or barriers. You could just walk right up and get close to the vehicles. Great museum. That, that's kind of like my uh, triple. It, it, I know it needs to go out and ride every now and then. So I pulled it out, started it up, and let people take turns <laughs> riding it. Yeah, right. I wonder if people can sign up at this place. Maybe. To go I bet ride. you can. There are yeah. butt cheek marks on that <laughs> triple now. But, but he continues and he says, then they had a motorcycle corner. Ooh. Not a lot of bikes, but some very interesting ones. Just to mention a couple, I would love to hear more about if any of the misfits know about them. Bagel, they had two scooters with dual seats. And I do know about these. Uh, one was a 1955 Rumi Formichino 125. Uh, this is a fairly low production Italian scooter, high-end Italian scooter, although the, the Rumi that was really desired after was the 250. Uh, it was a two-cylinder 250. I was going to say the 250 was a twin, wasn't yes. it? Yes, yes. And it's I think the whole bike was chrome. It was absolutely wow. stunning. Nice. Uh, and those are super, super rare. You rarely see those anymore. Uh, but they were little hot rods. Um, then he said the second uh, scooter was a 1954 Zundat Bella scooter, uh, which is teal and 200cc. Um, and if uh, those of you who listened uh, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that there were a couple of Zundat Bellas that were at the Odd, oh, Odd Not Mod Scooter Rally. rally. Yep. And these are uh, fairly large, long scooters that were made by, by the Zundat Motorcycle Company in the 1950s. And, you know, I've got to say that Bella is probably the most inappropriate name for that scooter. <laughs> it's like if you were to describe a scooter to somebody over the phone on a bad phone line and have, like, somebody badly sketching it at the other end and then giving it to the design board. That's it's, what a Bella looks like. It has like. a lot of curves. It is not the most beauteous of beasts, well, is it? Isn't that funny, though? Like It's just like, I'm just going to name my motorcycle beautiful. Or, or lampshade. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Or, right. It's like, it's like a we know it's not beautiful, but if we call it that, you may be fooled. Right, well, right, exactly. It's not that bad of looking, but it's, just, it's, uh, it's a little odd, though. 
but it's but it's it's you know it's vintage 50s german engineering um but then he continues he says then there were a couple of old bikes yes one is the hercules w2000 oh the rotary yeah great little bike indeed and they said in the basement tour extra six bucks yes please i couldn't get a picture but there was a green bike with the word rickman on the tank oh yeah yeah. obvious turbocharger on the left side what tour guide didn't know anything about it and said it just showed up about a week ago okay looked like a kawasaki maybe uh sorry for the long email would love to hear what you all know about these oddities and thanks for inspiring us listeners to get out there and explore the world in all new ways including museums yeah. and p.s lanemotormuseum.org has info and specs on every item in their collection except the rickman great place to visit <laughs> if ever in nashville you so, know um i better know what that kawasaki is when he says it was green it was probably bright lime green hmm We'll go back to the early 70s. The Japanese bikes, they had all the power, but, God, the handling was bad. And so a lot of people did frame conversions for them, and one of the more successful ones was the Rickman. Um, And so what you did was you bought your Z1, handle like a shopping cart. Or H2. Or H2. Trouser-filling moment every time you went round a corner. (laughs) Bought your Rickman frame. Now the thing handled. Now you're looking for more power. So then you bolt on a turbo mm-hmm. or a supercharger, as a lot of people did. So there you go. Tra-la-la. I wow. bet it's one of them. Awesome. So, um, Matt, back to you. Yes. So we know that here uh, where we live, we have quite a few law firms. As we mentioned, we've got Riders Law, we've got Russ Brown, and Law Tigers. Why would somebody choose your firm over theirs? Uh, sure. Well, there's... You know, I want to say that all of all the firms out there, they're all looking for the same thing. We're always trying to keep riders safe and helped when they uh, when they get in, into jams. But I feel like Law Tigers does uh, a better job of just being there through the whole instance. Uh, if you use a lot, if you need to use a lawyer with Law Tigers, uh, you're going to have a Law Tigers lawyer through the entire process from start to finish, uh, rather than being farmed out to somebody else. Uh, and then we have brick and mortar locations in 25 uh, markets around the. Can you and can you state where you guys where you guys cover? Uh, we cover almost the entire United States. Uh, we're in sixteen states, I believe. Been around for seventeen years. Okay, sixteen states is not almost the entire United States. It isn't. I hate to point out the math here. Thank you very much. Uh, We're in some large states, if that counts. (laughs) Okay, okay. Where you you need uh, to be. Where you need to be. We just finished um, covering all of California. So now we have have five different markets in California. Got it. Cool. So how about this? I mean, Matt seems legit. The company seems legit. It's not the first time I've come across them. If uh, perish the thought, but if you've just been involved in a little bump and you think you need a lawyer, use your law tigers. I'm sure they'll do a good job for you. Just let us know. You know, let us know how you get on with it. But the thing, the takeaway from me here is I'm starting to think of the lo- of the lawyers less as douchebags and more as just being diligent. That's kind of Yay. what I'm and specializing in what you need. And that's yeah. the thing is, you know, there's the old joke. Nobody wants to know a lawyer until they need a lawyer. And mm. I've never known a lawyer until I had this job. And uh, I can tell you that I've had great experiences. They're, they're people just like us. They care about the industry. They care about riders. And, and they want to take care of you. You, you mean that they, they haven't got dorsal fins and swim around in <laughs> tanks and eat seals? Just on the weekends. Oh, okay. But yeah. I, I think the most important thing here is regardless of who you go with, go with somebody who 
who is a rider, right. especially somebody who specializes in bikes, because we know we are often misunderstood. And how many times has somebody been in an accident that was not their fault, but the police officer who was writing the report yes. was under the oh, assumption oh, it was that, that they were me. at fault. That happened to right? me. Right. So in we the know spring. we know that there are biases against um, motorcyclists. Mm. So the bottom line is, go with somebody who really knows what you're dealing with and will be on your side we we are a nation of laws we are a nation of laws and it might be good to get cozy up with a lawyer so (laughs) why not and did you plug what how can they find more about absolutely well check us out online lawtigers.com and you know if you're if you're in an accident or you want to speak to somebody you speak to an actual lawyer call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS uh we'd be happy to have our team talk with you and uh learn more about how we can help you Awesome. And I wanted to thank you for coming down. It was cool meeting you up at the Moto Bay Classic. It was a really cool event. And you gave us a lot of swag that we've been adding into our Patreon prize packs. Might you be going to any other events? Somebody might be able to find you and come say hi and say that they heard you here on our show. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'm around the Bay Area all the time. I'm at a weekend events almost every week. Um, I do have a Ride for Kids event coming up on October 7th. And that's going to be up in Sonoma, I believe. Uh, and so that's a great event uh, that so you're going to ride over kids or with kids? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to ride over them and then back up over them again. And then... Uh, Very so nice. Take so it's a trials Well, you've riding. got the right bike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, 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 a great, uh, it's a great ride that benefits sick kids. Uh, it's pretty simple. Cool. Awesome. Are you going to be going to the Moto Beach Classic? I won't be, <gasps> but we will have uh, oh, some of boo. our SoCal guys down there. Okay. Uh, right, because you don't go all the way down there. I do um, not. Matt, nice. come and see us up in Monterey and make sure you, sure you leave some of your cards Absolutely. Uh, with us up there. Because, because. Because, because. Awesome. So thank you very much for coming. And again, thank you to all of our Patreon subscribers and to the people who email in the questions and the ones who get into arguments with not because I was really yeah. tickled by that. Send me your hate. I could feed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we could start this. I mean, we have we have the 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 Patreon where people can access you to ask technical questions. Yeah. And maybe we should set some up so people can just. Contact Abuse. Knock and tell him he's an asshole. I am not above learning new things. <laughs> no, I think have a new segment. Deal, argue baby. with Knock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean for for ten bucks a month you get access to Ask Miss Emma, and then for, for fifteen tw- yeah. or twenty you get to abuse Knock. <laughs> Han Solo shot first. Fuck you. What up? What up? We got Emma's army. We should have Knox. I don't know. Knox negativity or something. Yeah. Knox dogma. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, back alley. Um, and if you want to get a little peek of some of the photo shoot happenings, I, I posted a couple cool. photos on it. It was a bit steamy. I, I, I say it was <laughs> very steamy. I, I was like just stepping through them when I needed to get tools and they were like, uh, okay, you're in the shot. I'm like, well, I needed my tools. Yeah. We, but we made it happen. So I think we're ready to get out of here. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. This is Liza. This is Doc. Henry. Mm-hmm. Bagel. Emma Darling. Matt. John. Aloha. And we are out of here. Cool. 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 cool.